Hello everybody, this is Abby Alcox with another episode of Badgerland Journal. And today we're kind of back to our normal groove of things. I know we had a couple of interviews. I think we had three interviews the past few episodes, which were all very wonderful. Thank you so much to the guests for coming on and speaking. Um, but today we are back to a story that I have researched, you know, going into it. You guys will have to let me know what you like better when I do the interviews or when I do research. Although if you don't like my research, maybe keep that to yourself. I work hard on this. I'm trying to make it fun. Trying to make it interesting. But anyways, I know the past few episodes have been very Milwaukee focused. Um, just because, well, I'm in Milwaukee and so it's easy to find people who know about Milwaukee history. So today I kind of wanted to make sure we're getting back to like Wisconsin history. You know, Milwaukee's cool and all but also there's a lot more to Wisconsin. And I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about Wisconsin's statehood and how we got our borders. Like why isn't the UP part of Wisconsin? I know you've thought this before and I'm going to tell you the answer today. That and like, why aren't a bunch of parts of other states Wisconsin? Cause a lot of it actually was supposed to be Wisconsin originally, but they took it from us, those dang jerks. <sighs> Anyways, so we'll get into it by talking about the kind of history of our borders and how we got the borders. Because as it will turn out, Wisconsin is one of the last states in the kind of Midwest to become a state. And that really does affect our borders because as other states are becoming states, <laughs> I guess, um, they are taking pieces of Wisconsin for various reasons. So the Northwest Territory, which kind of makes up the Midwest that we think of today, comes out of the French and Indian War. So this is where the British, we are still a British colony at this point, win the war against the French. And so because of this, the French end up giving a lot of territory that they had claimed for themselves, which included the Midwest region. So land between the Ohio River all the way to the Mississippi River become part of British land, British territory. And so this includes states which would become Ohio, Illinois, Wisconsin, um, in addition, I think Indiana. Yeah, there's, there's more. Minnesota's in there. But a lot of these states have pieces that trace back to this territory taken over from the French. And so after the American Revolution, you see Thomas Jefferson begin to kind of propose different solutions to this Northwest Territory. And it's, I believe, the Northwest Territory of 1887 is what is proposed. Um, but Jefferson, he comes up with these ideas. It's not necessarily what Congress settles on, but they do take a lot of his proposed ideas and just tweak them to their liking. And so one of the things he recommended was each state have um, be two degrees height. So if you remember like longitude and latitude lines, so like those degrees, two degrees high and then four degrees wide to try and maintain some semblance of equality which will come back into play later. He also sketched up some different state ideas and he believed that this territory should be divided in between either three to five different states. 
And so I thought this was pretty funny. Um, which, by the way, if you guys are interested in how states got their shape, that's actually the name of the book by Mark Stein. He also wrote The People Behind the Borderlines. Um, I used them during this episode. I'll link that down in the description if you'd like to check out those books. Um, but he kind of showed pictures of it. So three-state solution. This is not what we went with. But three-state solution would have seen Michigan split down the middle and the right half would be combined with Ohio and that would be one state. And then the left half of Michigan would combine with Indiana, also part of the UP, but it also was just very like down the middle, made no sense, um, would be a second state. And then Wisconsin, Illinois, and part of Michigan would have been the third state. And that would have been as big as California, I think the book said, or close to the size of California. Um, obviously, not what we went with. We would end up going with a five-state solution, which would look very similar to our current borders, except with some, some little tweaks and alterations, which we're going to get into. But basically, imagine, you know, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan. But instead of having the borders that we have today, there'd be a line pretty much drawn straight across the border of the most southern part of Lake Michigan. So basically, Lake Michigan would have belonged to Wisconsin, Michigan, and the southern states of like Indiana, um, Illinois, Ohio, they don't get access to Lake Michigan. So they thought that was just like the easiest way to divide it up. Um, Lake Michigan kind of creating that natural border. Um, this is not, not what happens. Congress did not follow uh, the advice given by Jefferson, but they did want to ensure equality of the states. And that's going to come back into this and why that border does not look the way it does today. And as I mentioned, Wisconsin is the last of the Northwest Territory to gain statehood. And so this affects them greatly. So the Northwest Territory would remain from 1788 to 1800s. So for 12 years, the Northwest Territory existed. Um, and like I said, this is the all the land west of Pennsylvania, north of the Ohio, Ohio River, River, and east of the Mississippi. So like very much kind of the Midwest as we think of it today. I guess you don't get kind of Iowa's kind of not in there. So northeast not the northeast i don't know you you can figure out the name for it so then we don't have a ton of information about this so you're gonna start seeing um seeing states come out of this territory tory wisconsin is part of the indiana territory from 1800 to 1809 so a total of nine years um, and you'll see Ohio become a territory in 1803, and I think 1816 is when Indiana becomes a territory. So I'm not sure why it takes so long for Indiana to become a territory or state. I don't know. Anyways, but so Indiana territory for nine years, 1809, and in 1809, it then becomes the Illinois territory. Probably has something to do with Ohio becoming a state. I don't know. Not really important. But anyway, so we become the Illinois Territory in 1809, and this comes to an end in 1818 when Illinois becomes a state. And this is when uh, you see Wisconsin get its first chunk of land lobbed off. 
Um, and this is because originally both Indiana and Illinois' border should have ended at Lake Michigan. But each respective state leaders advocated for a higher northern border. So to have better access to Lake Michigan. And this is going to be a common theme of having access to lakes. Um, Illinois specifically wanted to raise the border for a couple of reasons. Um, Illinois was kind of had some southern sympathies. It was the most southern part of that Northwest Territory that we discussed. So it was heavily involved in the South trading. And so when it's looking at becoming a state, it should have technically been a free state based on that Northwest Treaty Charter. It said, you know, all of these states should be free states. But there's kind of a loophole and it was a little up in the air. And so the senator, no, it wasn't a senator yet because it was a territorial leader, but it was a representative for Illinois, kind of did some finagling because the other issue was Illinois did not have enough population to become a state. So these are kind of things going on. You know, they don't want to become a slave state, but also they don't have enough population and where that population is mostly centered is towards the south. And so this guy comes up with this brilliant plan and he kind of lobbies Congress and goes, you know, I think we should raise Illinois' northern border. It shouldn't end at, at Lake Michigan. It should be raised at least 10 miles and only needed that 10 miles to gain access to Lake Michigan and have a potential connection with the Illinois River so that the rest of Illinois could be connected to the lake. However, he goes, no, 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 I don't, I don't want 10 miles. So I don't wanna raise that border up 10 miles. I wanna raise it up 60 miles. And by raising up 60 miles, you dig into that part of the Wisconsin territory and you gain the necessary population that is increasingly tied to northern trading and had northern sympathies. So it would be less tied. The other thing is, if Illinois didn't have this access to Lake Michigan, their main port of trading would be the Mississippi River that goes all the way into the south. So economically, they would be more tied to the south if that's who they're trading with. Versus if they have access to Lake Michigan, we'll get into the creation of the Erie Canal, but they can pretty much from Lake Michigan get to New York, a huge northern trading post, and make their economy more based on northern trading. And so this is all kind of going on at play at this point, and they are successful. And so they are able to annex 60 miles higher border from Wisconsin. And this adds up to be 8,000 square miles that Illinois took from us. So just imagine, Chicago could have been part of Wisconsin. Let me know what you guys think. Do, do, we, do we want Chicago to be part of Wisconsin? Like if we could go back and undo all of these trades, do we want Chicago? Because sometimes I don't think we want Chicago. You know what I do want? I want the UP. <laughs> Which I believe, yep, that's the next thing we're going to get into, is how the UP was lost to Michigan. Because root. So at this point, just to refresh your brain, uh, we have had 8,000 square miles taken from us by Illinois. 
And so we become the Michigan Territory, which lasts from 1818 to 1836, so a total of 18 years. And so the rest of the Michigan Territory, this became, so, okay, what was left of the Illinois Territory became the Michigan Territory, but then also expanded to include part of Iowa, Minnesota, part of the Dakotas. And so this actually starts with a dispute between Ohio and Michigan. So there had been a kind of confusion over mapping and borders between Ohio and Michigan. And you saw kind of Ohio claim that the border of their border was higher and they had access to Lake Erie, including Toledo. And Michigan's like, no, 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 that's our land. And this almost caused a war called the Toledo War. And I went to myself, or said to myself, if I had an Ohio history podcast, this is totally a topic I would cover. And then I went, oh wait, this is my podcast. I can do what I want. So we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about the Toledo Wars. So, digging into this. The border between Michigan and Ohio was originally drawn from the southernmost point of Lake Michigan to the intersection of Lake Erie and the Maumee River. I hope I said that right. And so this was recognized by Ohio when it became a state in 1803. Well, it was discovered that in 1805, the actual tip of Lake Michigan was further south and therefore would have included Toledo, which at this point they were assuming was part of Ohio. So Ohio petitioned to have this border accepted, saying, hey, we agreed, you know, southernmost tip. No, so they, they petitioned to have the original border recognized. So they said, you know, we don't care that we uh, said the southernmost tip this, at this point when the treaty was passed or when they became a state. This was recognized as the most southern part, and therefore it should be recognized today. So they wanted to keep that Toledo Strip. Hence why it's called the Toledo War. And both states sent out surveyors because Michigan was like, hey, 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 we don't want you taking any territory that's not yours. And so both states sent out surveyors to determine where the border actually was. Unsurprisingly, they came back with totally different lines. So the lines were about eight miles apart, apart where Lake Erie was, and then when you got to the Indiana border, it was about five miles apart. And so this came down to 468 square miles of disputed land. And then nothing was officially decided. Michigan kind of just quietly took over the land, said, you know, this is our jurisdiction, we live here now. and nothing really came of it. I'm not sure how highly populated this 468 square miles was, you know, populated at the time. Um, in 1833, Michigan attempted to then join the United States and join the Union and all that bedazzling fun. But they were blocked by the Ohio Senator until they agreed on the southern border. And really it meant until they agreed on Ohio's southern border, like what Ohio wanted it to be. And so then this kind of just started 
a bunch of kind of it, it was a pissing contest I feel like between Ohio and Michigan because then Michigan implemented heavy fines on anyone who tried to exercise jurisdiction in this strip of land if they were not a Michigan or federal official and so then the Ohio governor went screw you man I am going to create a county named after myself and I'm going to appoint a sheriff and a judge within this disputed land. And then the Michigan's governor responded by mobilizing troops. Yes, they actually picked up arms and were about to fight over this piece of land. And this isn't two sovereign countries. These are two states. So then there was a lot of posturing because like, Basically, I believe it was Ohio approved a $300,000 military budget for their militia. And then Michigan's like, I'm going to one-up you by raising you 5K. And then there was some shooting, which didn't sound like they were actually trying to hurt people. They were just trying to be like, I'll shoot at you and I'll shoot at you. And then um, the Michigan, I think, arrested some Ohio officials and then a Michigan sheriff was stabbed by an Ohio man, and that was like the one casualty of this war. And then finally, at this point, Andrew Jackson, who was president at this time, stepped in and said, uh, we ain't doing this. Uh-uh. We have none of it. And he removed Mason, who was... Oh, wait, was it... Wait, sorry, I had to look up what his actual name was. It was Stevens T. Mason, who was the territorial governor of Michigan at that point. And so Andrew Jackson's like, yeah, we're having none of this. I am removing Mason as governor. And then who had pretty much started this war. Like he's the one who like ordered the militia to like march on Ohio. And then Ohio had just responded. Although Mason will eventually become governor of Michigan once again when it becomes a state and they elect him, so he wasn't out of power that long. But basically, Congress will end up siding with Ohio and saying, Ohio, you get Toledo, you get this strip of 468 square miles, and in return, since Michigan, you lost in this whole thing, you will get the consolation prize of the Upper Peninsula in Wisconsin, which I think is rude. We did not get a choice, seems rude. Um, and actually, so when looking at the Toledo Wars, I was looking at the Michigan State Government website, and so they point out, which is very true, the peninsula was 9,000 square miles, and it contained very high amounts of timber, iron, and copper, all of which would make Michigan very rich. Like, that's a lot of natural resources in that Upper Peninsula that was stolen from Wisconsin. Take back the UP. I'm going to start a movement. Anyways. <laughs> but this website states that clearly Michigan won the war because they got the better end of the deal. So if you're from Toledo and you happen to be listening to this podcast, which would probably mainly be my cousins, let me know if you think that's true. Um... Uh, <laughs> Was, was Toledo the better end of the deal, or was the UP? I feel like the person that got screwed over the most here was Wisconsin, because we got nil. Nada. We just got our land taken. Rude. Anyways. So, then, then, Michigan 
those, you know, rotten jerks, tried to take more land from us. Like, they got the UP. And then they're like, you know what? We want more of the UP to ourselves. So when Michigan took the peninsula, the border was divined by the Montreal River. However, this river has two different branches. There's an eastern and a western branch. And so Michigan wanted it to be defined as the western branch, gaining them another 360 square miles. However, the military engineer who originally kind of surveyed the peninsula and defined the borders when this transaction, or as I like to call it, theft of the UP happened. Um, he defined it as the eastern branch. So that 360 square miles would go to Wisconsin. Well, Michigan, when they revised their constitution in 1908, tried to define their border as the western branch. And, you know, at this point, Wisconsin's already a state. And so basically, this is another state trying to redefine their borders to take land from another state. Rude. Screw you, Michigan. Rude. Anyways. <laughs> so, Michigan attempted to negotiate this land away from Wisconsin, and they failed epically. Wisconsin's like, no, this is our land. You already stole the UP from us. You are not taking more land. Rude. And apparently in 1926, Michigan was denied by the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, nah, -uh, you don't get this land. It's Wisconsin's. Thank you very much. So back to the main story after we detoured <laughs> to the Toledo Wars and then all the way to 1926 when Michigan tried to take more by land. So if we, we fast forward, not fast forward, backtrack. We're going to backtrack to you now have Illinois having taken 60 miles at our southern border. The UP has now gone to Michigan. And that leads us to the creation of the Wisconsin ter Territory. Which, by the way, they threatened to secede the Union. Like, this was never ever a credible thing, but after they gave the UP away... The Wisconsin, like, territorial governor was like, we're going to leave the union. How dare you? This is theft, which I agree with him. But Congress pretty much ignored him and went, what are you going to do, bro? And he did nothing. So we're still part of the United States. But the Wisconsin Territory was created in 1836. It included land that is modern-day Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and parts of North and South Dakota. So pretty much minus, minus Michigan. <laughs> And so then the land west of the Mississippi became part of the Iowa Territory in 1838, which was only a few years later, just two years later. So then at this point, you are seeing um, Wisconsin and Minnesota kind of trying to become a state. And so this is where we're going to see the final adjustments to our border. So originally, the western part of the Wisconsin border would have followed the Mississippi River. This meant that a large chunk of like the north, what would it be, northeast part of Minnesota would have been part of Wisconsin. However, when Congress was kind of laying out these maps, they changed the borders to follow the St. Croix River. 
north. So instead of following the Mississippi, you follow the St. Croix. And this would follow it all the way to Lake Superior. Yeah, so however, it's split at the St. Croix up to the Lake Superior. And then the border was then a straight line from St. Croix River to the westernmost part of Lake Superior. So that's kind of when you look at, you know, all of a sudden it's like, follow a natural border. You can kind of see it's a river and then there's like a straight line and it goes all the way to kind of the top of uh, Lake Michigan. And that's the the Minnesota. I hope you're looking at a map while you're listening to this podcast because it's going to make more sense. Um, I'll, I'll post I'll post some maps on the Facebook and the Instagram so you guys can kind of see the borders that I'm talking about. But what this did was it allowed um, Minnesota to have access to Lake Superior. And part of this reason was because of... So wait, yeah. The land went to Minnesota because of... Drumroll please. Slavery. Um, Believe it or not, everything seems to revolve around slavery. (laughs) Okay, that sounds bad. But I mean, slavery was a very influential issue at the time so it's unsurprising that it did play a role in the creation of states even northern states because you're trying to balance free and slave states and so wisconsin and minnesota were approved and admitted to the union the same time that florida and texas were which were slave states obviously so when admitting these two states they kind of wanted to keep both of the states Um, equal. And it's also that access to lakes, which I'm about to talk about in one second. But this means that St. Paul and Duluth both went to Minnesota, but were originally supposed to be part of Wisconsin. We were going to have all the cool things. We were going to have the UP, we were going to have Chicago, which I still have a little bit, little bit undecided on. And we could have had St. Paul, we could have Duluth, all of it could have been ours, but no. But I am going to touch on the importance of access to lakes because lakes became increasingly important, especially as all of these states are being admitted to the Union due to the creation of the Erie Canal. So the Erie Canal connected Lake Erie to the Hudson River and therefore New York. Also what you can access from New York is the Atlantic Ocean. And so this was a way for the North to access the seas without going through the Mississippi River or other kind of, not backwards, but it would have taken much longer to travel through rivers. And even though all of the lakes aren't like directly connected to one another, there's a lot of interlocking, you know, rivers that makes it very easy to travel from one lake to the other lake to another lake. So as you have canals beginning to be built, giving access to the sea, States want access to lakes. They want access to Lake Michigan. They want access to Lake Superior. They want access to Lake Erie, as we saw in the Toledo Wars. And so it gave Americans a way to navigate the sea without using also the St. Lawrence River, which was under the control of the British. So it gave another kind of out um, that wouldn't involve negotiating with foreign powers. So that's kind of why when you see this, it all comes down to lake access. You know, Illinois wants access to Lake Michigan. Ohio wants access to Lake Erie. Michigan has access. It just wants land because it 
lost some land due to lake access. And then Minnesota wants access to Lake Superior. And Wisconsin just wants our lakes. God dang it. (laughs) So all of this is happening. So you start to see statehood. So what does that statehood actually look like in Wisconsin? So Wisconsin saw an increase in population. I mentioned Illinois was struggling with their population when they tried to be admitted, um, which was earlier on. When did I say that was? Good momentum, looking back at my notes. You guys love my singing, right? Right? Um, so Illinois became a state in 1818. So 30 years later is when Wisconsin will eventually become a state. So at that point, they were above the minimum population put forth by that ordinance of 1787 that I had mentioned that kind of stipulated the uh, requirements of statehood. And so it saw this increase, especially in the 1830s. So it was it had to be above the population of 155,000 people in the state itself. And so there'd always kind of been this push towards statehood by politicians since its creation as a territory. So if we go back to when the Wisconsin Territory was created, which was 1836, so they make that sound like it was a real long time. It was not really that long. Um, Well, I guess 10 years. Because in 1846, Governor Henry Dodge gained a referendum um, to apply to be admitted to the Union. But there were some issues in drafting the Constitution. There were questions over um, voting rights of non-citizen immigrants, so people who had traveled here um, but weren't like official citizens of the United States. But honestly, that was a huge part of Wisconsin's population at that point. Um, Between the Germans and the Norwegians and the Irish and the Belgium, there, there was a lot of immigrants that made up Wisconsin. So, there's also concerns over black Americans' voting rights. Um, And so, the original draft they created in the fall of 1846 included the rights of immigrants, white women, um, to vote. And then provided a referendum on black suffrage later on. And so, because of these issues, because as progressive as Wisconsin was, It wasn't quite that progressive yet. Um, These issues um, caused the draft to be rejected in April 1847, and it caused another constitutional convention for Wisconsin to be held. Um, And I do mean, like, you do have to keep it in perspective that at this time there are states who don't see black people as humans, Um, (laughs) and you have slavery going on. So the fact that Wisconsin was considering like black suffrage was a progressive move, but it just was not popular enough or did not have enough support at that time. And they really wanted to push statehood. So they made some changes. So December 1847, another constitution was proposed. This one omitted any reference to women or black suffrage, but men and immigrant men with the intention of becoming citizens and Native American men were granted voting rights. And this was approved March 1848. And then in late May, the official announcement was made that Wisconsin was admitted to the Union and we would become the 30th state in the Union to do so. Ta-da! 
Um, so that's a little bit on our background on our statehood. So there was still some more progressive things like Native American rights, um, seeing them as American citizens, uh, which kind of clashes now with like sovereign nations. I mean, it doesn't, but it does. But it's the that's a whole other discussion. Um, but and I don't know. I could. I'll have to look into that of uh, Wisconsin's role in women's suffrage and the civil rights movement and kind of when those things were pushed. Um, if you listen to my podcast on Joshua Glover, you can talk about how there was a high abolition population in Wisconsin. Woot woot. Um, but yeah, so that gives you kind of an idea of when we became a state, why the borders were the way they were. And that's just been your kind of short, sweet. I like how I think right now short and sweet is 32 minutes. It used to be like, I think I have a seven minute podcast episode on the Wisconsin fish fry. I, I just didn't have a lot to go off on that one. Um, I also feel like I'm just rambling a little bit more, which let me know if you guys think it's fun or if I need to stay more to the facts. But anyways, that has been the episode on Wisconsin's borders and statehood. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know which one of these territory acquisitions you are most upset about. Or, wait, would it be acquisitions? I mean, it's acquisitions of other states. Which annexation of Wisconsin territories are you most upset about? I'm still going with the UP. I want to know which one you guys are upset about and why. And you can let me know that by sending me an email at badgerlandjournal at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Badgerland Journal. And until next time, keep it cheesy.